It's good to see you this morning, and aren't you thankful for air conditioning? <laughs> oh, man. 111 yesterday, and I don't know what it's going to. You know what? I think this is a good thing because we're getting good taste. So this is what hell's going to be like? I am turning to Jesus, right? <laughs> exactly. I want to welcome everybody who's watching online. We're so glad you've joined us, and I want to welcome everybody here. Man, it's good to see you. I've missed you this week, and I've been praying for you and wondering how your week's been going. We're now in the second week in our series on the book of Jonah, okay, from running to revival. Before we get into that, I just want to share with you something that happened to me this past week. I was at the gym, and somebody came up to me, and they said, Pastor Bob, I was at your church on Sunday. Did you see me? And I said, no, I didn't. They couldn't figure out why, and they said, I was only sitting four or five rows behind you. In fact, during your message, I felt like you were talking just to me, and I said, I am so sorry. I did not see you, but tell me the next time you come so that I can look for you. Deal. You know what? I learned something from that, and what I learned from that is this. It's hard to see something you're not looking for. Would you agree? And I think the same is true in here today as we are going into God's Word. If you're not looking for it, you're probably going to miss it, right? And so my prayer today is that as we go through this story, this, 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 this message that the Lord has for us today, I don't want to miss what God has for me. Amen? All right. So you remember that when this story was written, in the days before they actually put the Bible together, there were no chapters and there were no verses. They put chapters and verses in so that it's easier for us to find some things, right? So I want to go all the way back to the very last verse that we didn't touch last week, and it's recorded in Jonah chapter 1, verse 17. And here's where it begins. Now, the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. All right, now I want to I leave that up there right now as I tell you about this next story. That verse messes with our minds, doesn't it? Come on, you know it does. In fact, it messes with the world's minds. This is the only verse that we hear we talk about where, where Jonah got swallowed by a big fish, but it's the verse that everybody wants to talk about. And so I want to begin here, and I want to kind of put our minds at ease. Are you ready? It was 1891, just outside of the Falkland Islands. There was a whaling boat called the Star of the East. On this whaling boat, they also had two smaller whaling boats. Their job was is that once the whale had been harpooned, they would be placed in the water, and their job was to bring the whale alongside of the ship to tie it and anchor it to the ship so they could begin working on cutting away the blubber. Well, they were just outside the Falkland Islands, as I told you, and all of a sudden, this huge sperm whale surfaced. The captain identified it, and they harpooned the whale, and they hit the whale right where they aimed. Immediately, they launched the two whaling boats into the water. Now, whales, like most fish, when you get a hold of them, when they know they're caught, what do they do? 
they dived straight down into the deep. And that's what this whale did. It dove 250 meters straight down into the deep blue sea. But no sooner than it had dived down into the sea, it surfaced again. Only this time it burst through the surface. And when it came down, its its tail hit one of the smaller whaling boats, smashing it. One of the sailors drowned. The other sailor disappeared. Once again, from the main ship, they were able to harpoon the sperm whale a second time. The whale finally died, and they were able to move the whale up against the star of the east, the big ship. After the whale was secured, they began to cut away at the blubber. This lasted all night and into the next day. Finally, in the middle of the day, they got to that portion that they were really looking for, and that was the stomach. Now remember, these whalers, they use every part of the whale. They don't let anything go to waste. So they hoisted that whale onto the ship, and they began to cut away at the stomach. When they got close to the lining of the stomach, they noticed movement. As they cut towards it, they got to the sack, and as they opened up the sack, they found the missing sailor. He was doubled over, he was unconscious, but ladies and gentlemen, he was alive. After three weeks, and you can Google this, not now, please. I'm seeing some of you are going like this, and I'm seeing other, I'm seeing spouses going like this. All right, so, all right. After three weeks of medical treatment, the man returned to his duties. There was one difference, though. The difference was is that the man, because of his time in the belly of the whale, his skin was bleached white because of the acids. He was in the belly of the whale to days. I love our God because even in those moments when we have troubles having faith, he helps us. Now like you, as I read this story this week, and I read it several times, I'm trying to grasp my mind around this picture and make sense of what we just read in God's Word. A large fish, a huge fish, swallowed Jonah. Now, I want to notice something here. Did you notice as you read this scripture, it does not say God created a huge fish, does it? It says God provided. It also means appointed. It also means ordered. You see, to me... What's amazing to me is that the miracle is not that Jonah got swallowed by a fish. The miracle is that God ordered a fish, a huge fish, to swallow Jonah, and even the fish obeyed. Now listen very carefully to me. My dear friends in Christ, isn't it amazing the length that God will go to to rescue his 
kids. Stand with me out of respect for God's Word. I'm going to read just one verse from Psalm 120, and I'm going to read verse Psalm 120, verse 1. I call on the Lord in my distress, and He answers me. He answers me. This is God's Word for God's people. Let's pray together. Father, hear from heaven as I cry out to you in my distress. Rescue me, Father, from my enemies. And sometimes that includes rescuing me from myself. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. After everything Jonah has been through, he got the call from the Lord to go to Assyria. Remember we talked about how he hated the Assyrians. He paid the fare and he headed to Tarshish because he wanted to get as far away from God as he can. In the middle of his trip to Tarshish, which was a 2,500 mile journey, which would have taken him about a year and a half, God brings a storm. Jonah gets thrown into the water. Now, here's the part that I just want to begin with. Out of everything Jonah has been through, now he decides it's time to pray. (laughs) Doesn't that make you feel good? You know, so many times in my life, I'm just trying to take care of it myself, and I think that's what Jonah was trying to do. He figured, you know what, I can handle this. But now he realizes he's in over his head. You know what I mean? And he decides it's time to pray. All right. Can I take just a side note real quick? And will you follow with me to the Psalms, please? The Bible says, For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. Now my question for you this morning is, is what does the psalmist mean when he talks about the secret place? You know, because you've been there, right? We've all been there. It's not a destination. It's a season. But it's known as God's classroom. The secret place is God's classroom. It's the place where God has your and my undivided attention. But my friends, it's also the place where we begin to view sin like God does. All right, now, let's go back to our story. We're going to hang around this verse for most of the sermon, okay? Now, the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. I want you to focus on that word swallow, okay? That word swallow. And I want you to picture this because in this story that we're about to go through, you need to understand that God's trying to paint for you and I a picture because he knows many times we learn more from what we see and what we experience, okay? Now, to help you with this word swallow, 
I want to go to another verse in the Psalms that I have written down, and I'm going to give it to you so you can write it down too. And the Psalm is Psalm 21, verses 8 and 9, okay? You don't have to look it up, but just write it down and listen to the words here. Psalm 21, verses 8 and 9. Your hand will lay hold on all your enemies. Your right hand will seize your foes. When you appear for battle, you will burn them up as in a blazing furnace. Now here it comes. The Lord will swallow them up in his wrath, and his fire will consume them. All right, now, here's what I want you to understand. That word swallow, swallow, means judgment. Now think about it. Jonah has been thrown into the water, right? He is paying the price for his actions. These are the consequences. And the consequence or the judgment is God orders, appoints a huge fish to swallow him. We know that the judgment of God has already been completed on the surface, right? Because when God's judgment has accomplished what it's supposed to accomplish, then it's done. That's why it's calm up on the surface. The storm was another form of God's judgment on Jonah. He was sinning against the Lord, and God was judging him for what he had done. Now he's in the water, and the judgment is that a fish comes and swallows him. However, that word swallow can't mean just judgment. It also must mean salvation. Think about it. Here's Jonah. He's falling deep into the deepest parts of the blue sea. And the judgment of God is that the fish comes and swallows him. But at the same time, if the fish wouldn't have swallowed Jonah, he would have drowned. Are you with me? Please say yes. So here's what I want you to understand. God's judgment comes first, and salvation follows judgment. All right, now, let's go back to this story here, and uh, we've been in Psalm 21, verses 8 to 9, and now I want you to look at another phrase in here, okay? And the phrase is, it says here, Jonah was in the belly of the fish, and here's the phrase, three days and three nights, okay? Three days and three nights. What in the world does that mean? Here's what it means. That phrase, three days and three nights, is a reference of the journey towards death. That makes sense to you, right? It's just like when we say, uh, well, he's six feet under. That's what the people in those days, when they would have seen three days and three nights, they would have understood that this is about a journey towards death. All right, now let's just think about this for just a moment. Where else in the Bible have you heard that phrase, three days and three nights? Well, one obviously is Jesus, right? He was in the tomb. But there's other places too. Let's go to one in the Old Testament. You know the story very well. It's a story of Abraham and Isaac. 
Now listen to this. Remember what I told you. The psalmist is painting a picture for us. In the story, God comes to Abraham and he says, Abraham, I want you to take your son, your only son whom you love, and I want you to offer him as a sacrifice, right? The Bible says that the next day, Joe, or excuse me, Abraham and Isaac got up, they got the fire, they got the wood, and they headed out to the place. Do you remember what it says next? On the third day, they looked up and they saw the place. Mount Moriah, where he would be sacrificed. Are you with me? So I want you to think about this. Now we have Isaac, who is on his way to Mount Moriah for the purpose of what? To die, right? And unless God intervenes, Isaac is going to be dead. And so the picture that the psalmist wants us to see here is this. Here's Isaac. He is off to death, but he comes back alive, right? So this is the message that God wants us to understand about Jonah being in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Jonah's life is the picture of going from death to life. And that's what you saw up there in those two men who were baptized for the very first time. They have gone from death to life. Why? Because they have acknowledged the gift that the creator of the universe gave them through his son Jesus. They have received that gift and today, you know what they said? They are proclaiming to us, confessing, I am a child of God. You just witnessed going from death to life. All right, so let's go on. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. Now, what we're seeing here is Jonah is simply saying this. I was in a really bad way. Man, my pain couldn't have got any worse I was to that point when I could not hold my breath any longer. If I would have taken a breath, I would have inhaled all of that blue ocean water. And you know what? At that moment, I cried out to God. And the Bible says, and he listened to my cry. My dear friends in Christ, are you in the pit? Are you in a deep, dark valley? Are you in a place where you are feeling so away, so far from God right now? Then this ought to be great, great encouragement for you. Because no matter where you are, when you cry out, the, the creator of the universe will hear you. And I love how it says, he didn't just hear him, he listened to his cry. So let me ask you, so who do you cry out to? <laughs> when stuff's not going, when life isn't going the way you think it should go, so who do you cry out to? Did you know that most people, 
when they cry out or when they complain. If your crying is a complaint, they complain to one another. You know what psychologists say happens when you do that? When you complain to other people, you just form a big group of complainers. (laughs) But we also learn that something else happens. When we complain to others, we hear what we say, and we complain to others, we hear what they say, and it hardens and calluses our hearts. Or maybe you don't complain to anybody and you just keep it all inside. You're a man. You don't need to cry out to anybody. Big boys don't cry, right? And so you keep it inside. And you know what happens? You hear that self-talk, and that self-talk has a negative effect on you. You know what it does? It makes you negative, but it does something even worse. You build walls. And when you build walls, you separate yourself from God, and the result is loneliness. Now, the Bible tells us that when we cry out, we should cry out to God. And there's a reason. Number one is that God can take it. But the other reason is, is when you cry out to God, God has the power to do a work in your life. So let me show you what I mean. So what I did here is I'm just giving you a bunch of verses in the Psalms that are an example of the psalmist crying out to God, okay? You can write these down, but I hope that you would use them. Okay, let me just go through a couple of these, okay? Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying, God will not deliver him. How about this one? Answer me when I call to you, Lord, my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Have mercy on me. Hear my prayer. I guarantee you these things are not being said softly. Why, Lord, do you stand so far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? A couple more. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Even Jesus said that from the cross, right? How about this one? Contend, Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight with me. In other words, God, get them. My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? Or you have rejected us, God, and burst upon us. You have been angry. Now restore us. You see, When you cry out to God, the first thing God lets you do is empty yourself of you. And as he empties yourself of you, he fills you with him. It's kind of like this. Lord, that woman you gave me. I knew she was going to say what she said. I told you she was going to say what she said. I have been nice to her. I have cleaned. I've done all of these things. And as I'm unloading on God, there's something that's filling up and saying, yeah, but what did you say? I don't want to talk about that. (laughs) What did you do? 
So Bob, this is kind of like what you were preaching about a few weeks ago, right? When you said that you're not getting your way, yes. And then God says, now what can you do about it? Because I've called you to be a leader. You see what I mean? That's what God does when we cry out to him. Oh, how he fills us with his power and his love. All right, guess where we're going? Back to Jonah 1.17. All right, here's something interesting that I found. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. That word fish. That word fish is the masculine form of the word fish. Okay? So when I say that, I know you're thinking, he's telling us it's a male fish. You're right, okay? All right. Now let's go to another verse. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. There's that word fish again. Only this time, it's the feminine form. What? Why the change? What happened from this male fish to all of a sudden, it's a female fish? Well, Here's what I want you to understand. This is what the psalmist wants us to know. When you think of a feminine fish, what ought to come to your mind is maternal instincts. In other words, what I mean by that is that when we think of a female, one of the things that we think about is females have these maternal instincts in them that I don't have, okay? When you take that thought the maternal instincts, and then you compare it to the belly of a fish, the word that should come to your mind is womb. Are you with me so far? Now listen to this. Here's Jonah, and what's he doing? He is running from God. He wants to be separated from God, and he's heading towards death. But when he cries out to God, just like a baby contained in a mama's womb, the Lord enables him to be born again. And once again, Jonah goes from death to life. Isn't that amazing? How many times have we seen this in God's Word? He must be trying to tell us something. So here's what I want you to hear. When we cry out to God, He will deliver us. Just like He did Jonah. He delivered him. Let's go on. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. All right, now, here's what I want you to understand. Basically, what Jonah's saying is here. Okay, I am where I am because of my own actions. It's important that as we live our lives and we know that we've messed up, it's important that we can go to God and say, you know what, I take responsibility for my actions. 
And that's what Jonah is doing. All right, now, I want you to think about this, and I want you to write this down, okay? According to what Jonah just said, what we need to look at is this then. We have to be careful that we don't mistake God's provision and His punishment. You see, Jonah could have easily thought, I would have thought, that fish, I'm being punishment. I'm being punished, right? But God sent that fish to save Jonah. So what are you going through right now that you think you're being punished for? It may be God's vehicle. It may be God's provision that is going to get you to the other side. Let's look at that. One more thing. Then it says, I am driven away from your sight. That's the same phrase that is used in Genesis when God removed Adam and Eve from the garden. <laughs> there is so much in the Bible. I am blown away by all of this. this did not, I didn't just think up all of this stuff, okay? This is from reading commentaries and, and articles and things like that. But it's amazing to me how the Scriptures can be new and fresh each and every morning. This fires me up. All right, let's go on. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down, and the earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, O Lord, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Well, what does this mean here? It simply means this. God's timing is perfect. <laughs> and I've usually noticed, if you ask me my thoughts about God's timing, I would say, I wish he were a little earlier. <laughs> Wouldn't you? But at the same time, I understand why his timing is what it is. Because it's just at that moment when I've come to the end of myself, I know I can cry out to him, and I can trust him. I could tell you time and time and time again of moments in my life when God waited till I was on my knees, throwing myself before him on the ground and saying, Lord, I give up. And then it's almost like the Lord says, now I have you where I need you. Now I can use you. You may be in a place right now where you're struggling with God's timing. When is he going to answer me? When is he going to take this away? When is he going to bring this? When you get in those moments, I will tell you, and I know there are people here who understand exactly what I'm talking about right now, you just have to trust God and have faith. It's hard, but that's why God gave you the body, friends to walk alongside of you and pray for you and help you and encourage one another. All right, we're going to close with this now. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah on the dry land. You know what this simply says? Salvation comes from the Lord. That's it. 
Not from you, not from me. Salvation comes from the Lord. It's His, and it's going to be in His perfect timing. The Bible tells us God's will is that all men would be saved, right? But the Bible also tells us is that only those who are saved are the ones that the Father draws to Him, and His drawing, His timing is perfect. And so guess what? That's where you and I come in. You see, it's not about what we do or how our timing is. It's about what God is doing. And so you may be the first, the second, whatever. You may not be the one that wins somebody over, but you are a part of God's process, God's plan of calling the lost into him. My friends, God's the one who's responsible for salvation. God's the one who gave us salvation. And God's the one who calls us to salvation. All right, so what can we learn from this? Here's the first thing. You can't outrun God's grace. Can somebody please say amen? Amen. (laughs) You know what that means? I don't care how bad you are. I don't care the worst thing that you've done. God's grace, His arm of grace extends a lot farther than the worst thing that you could ever do. I think God deserves a round of applause for that. Amen? Isn't that great? I also think that there's other people in the world that need to hear that same thing. God's grace, I'm so thankful for it. Here's the second one. God can hear your prayers from anywhere. And that even means in the depths of where you are right now. Maybe that's why this message is here today. It's for you. Maybe you've been hurting, not just for weeks or months, but for years, and you can't seem to get away with it. You can't away from it. You're trying to run just like Jonah, and finally you've come to that place, and you say, I can't do it anymore. And God says, now I have you where I need you. So my message to you is cry out. Don't hold back. Cry out. Tell God what's on your heart, and then let him do his work in you. And here's the last thing. Disobedience is not an option. (laughs) I think that's good news. Okay? I hear people all the time that come to me and say, Pastor Bob, I just feel like God's not talking to me. And I always tell them, well, listen, if you feel like God's not talking to you, then one of the things that I would ask yourself is, what's the last thing God said to you? Go back and do that. And then see what happens. But God has given us a command to go into the nation, to tell them about who he is, the gospel, to spread the good news. And that's what we're getting to do. So last week, we started with a little bit about evangelism, and I gave you the word that the Gideons use, and the word is leap. And I told you this week, just practice going to people and just listening to them. How did you do? You know what I found myself doing? Biting my tongue, biting my lip, because you know what I found out, if I'm really honest with you, sometimes I'm more interested in telling them what I think they need to hear than just listening to them. So here's the second thing I want you to do. So the L is for listen, the E is for empathize. In other words, when you listen to them, feel what they feel. Look into their heart. See the pain on their eyes. I was with a gentleman this last week, and he's been having a rough time. He's dealing with some bouts and cancer, and he's still working out. And he came in, and he has a bag, and he just wore long pants, and his bag was attached to his foot. And he goes, see what I have? I went, oh, okay. Tell me about that. And then I just listened. And as I listened, I could see the pain. 
And I'll never forget this. When it was done, you know what he said to me? This is in the gym. Can I just have a hug? I said, you better believe it. And I gave him a big old bear hug, and his nose was right in my belly button. (laughs) But you know what? That's what God has called us to do. Now, we've continued to have a conversation, but my prayer is, I hope for other people that saw that, because that's not something you see too much in the gym. But my prayer is this, every time I go in there, God, let my light so shine before men that they may see the good works that you are doing and give you glory. And that's my prayer for you. It's going to be hot today. I know you're already hot, okay? But I want to just close with a prayer, and I'm going to ask you to stand, and then I'm going to give you the benediction and then give you the power to go out. Once again, I pray today that you will once again see the picture that God is painting. And just like it's Jonah's life, it's your life and it's my life too. Our lives were headed towards death. But God, and now our lives are headed towards life. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for this church. Thank you for these people. Oh, I love them so much. I'm so thankful for how much they love you and how they are convicted and they are convinced of the commandment to take the gospel all over the world, but it's got to begin at home. Today, Father, we were reminded once again that we're Jonah. That's my life you're talking about here. But in that, I see the plan behind the life. And the plan is a plan of calling to your own child. Come back. And if we don't come back, then you come after us. Thank you, God. Thank you that you are such an awesome God. Now, Father, as we go through this week, this is our prayer. We want to be a light. We know that the world is growing darker, so that means that our light should burn brighter. I pray for anyone who is in the pit, who's in the ocean, they feel like they're sinking. Follow what Jonah did and cry out to you because you'll listen, you'll answer, and you'll deliver. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Receive the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his strength, his peace, and his joy. God bless you. We'll see you next week.